Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds at Denver Comic-Con 2015. We hope you enjoy the following interview. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast at Denver Comic-Con 2015. What's really cool about Real Nerds Podcast is we can get tons of people on that are very special. And we have a very prolific author with us today. Sir, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, I don't know. You called me Sir, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm Kevin J. Anderson. I've written a whole bunch of Dune books and Star Wars books and X-Files books and Batman and Superman and my own... Uh, science fiction series. Uh, I've got one called The Dark Between the Stars that's on uh, the Hugo Ballot this year for nominated for Best Science Fiction Novel. Uh, I've written a bunch of comic books. See, I can't even remember all of my stuff. I just do whatever the next deadline is. <laughs> uh, and I'm also the publisher of Wordfire Press, which is a medium-sized press here in Colorado, and we've got about 250 titles out my own backlist, plus a lot of authors, Mike Resnick, Tracy Hickman, David Farland, Jody Lynn Nye, Mike Stackpole, lots of other author friends of mine, and we're bringing their books out. So you would say you're prolific and busy. Uh, absolutely busy. People go, well, don't you have a real life? I go, yeah, it's writing. <laughs> I, I have my imaginary friends. I spend all the time with them and, and <laughs> do terrible things to them, I think. So uh, So what take us through your writing process. What? How do you come up with ideas, and then how do you apply them to your stories? Well, the best inspiration for ideas, I find, is a signed contract and a deadline. <laughs> and uh, I have like four or five books in the works right now of different types. Um, I've got a book called Navigators of Dune that I'm writing with Brian Herbert. That's that's the latest Dune book. I've got the third book in my uh, the trilogy that started with The Dark Between the Stars. So that's an 800-page book that I have to write in about two months because I'm going to Australia for a book signing tour and i got to get it done before <laughs> I go. Um, I'm writing some comics. I've got a new book called Clockwork Lives that I wrote with Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush. So it's based on some of the Rush songs, and we wrote that one together. It's a steampunk fantasy adventure, and just I just love it. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever written. Uh, and we're publishing about five books a month, so I'm working through all the production and working with authors and trying to get uh, book reviews done. And it's also getting to be summer hiking season here in Colorado, and I look at the mountains and go, I really want to be out there. Well, not so much now. We've got about a foot of snow in the past three know, weeks, so that, that put that off by a little while. So how do you find time to do anything else like sleep? I didn't say I put that into my day. Um, I sleep about six hours a day. Uh, that's kind of what I've settled into. But I try to multi-process because I love hiking, like I said. But I write my books when I've got a tape recorder or a digital recorder. So I go off on the trails in Colorado, and I'm walking along for 15 miles, and I'll write six chapters while I'm out. I'll dictate it instead of typing it. Uh, and then I edit on airplanes. I'm doing like 15 of these shows, like Denver Comic Con, this year. 
Uh, so I, I have to work in the hotel room. I have to work on the plane. Um, people ask me, like, I'm going to Dallas next next weekend for Dallas Comic Con. So am I spending an extra couple of days to see Dallas? No, I'm spending every minute in my hotel room, I think. <laughs> what do you enjoy writing more, novels or comics? Um Novels, I think, because it's all so immersive for me because I get to describe everything. I get to do all the dialogue and, and write it the way I want to write it. Comics are still really exciting because when I work closely with the artist and I, I get the sketches back, so I see, oh, that's what he thought I thought it would look like, and it's really cool. Or we'll work with things to design ships and characters. And, and just seeing the, the visual representation of what the story I came up with is pretty satisfying. Um, but I really do write more novels than comics. I write more novels than short stories. That's kind of where my brain lies in, in, in the big canvas of things. Do you find it difficult to write novels about Batman because it's so much, so much larger of a scale? Or is it easier because you can get more into his psyche? And yeah. Well, I get a lot of free comics when I'm, when I'm writing books about Batman. <laughs> um, now... It's what's really hard is to write a novel if you think you're trying to take into account all seven million six hundred thousand previous issues and storylines that have been done. Uh, I did one book called Enemies and Allies, which is the first meeting of Batman and Superman in, 50, in the fifth in the 1950s during the Cold War. Uh, so it was kind of a standalone thing, and I just did a lot of background research. And I I like to get into Batman's head and Superman's head, or Bruce Wayne's head, or Kal El's head. Um, as a fanboy, this sort of lets me play with the heroes that I grew up with, and I really have fun with it. Is Superman really hard to write for? He ima- to me, he ima- I imagine him being the hardest character to write for in the medium. Well, he was at first, except I started to get to realize inside his mind that this is Kal-El, the guy that, that's from Krypton, he's an outsider, he's an alien, and he's got these, these amazing superpowers, and he can rescue people all the time. But what you really key into is that he's kind of like Pinocchio. He just wants to be a real normal person. He wants to be Clark Kent. He wants to be the small-town boy from Smallville. He doesn't really want to have the weight of the world on his shoulders and rescue everybody, but that falls to him because he's got the powers. He's not going to ignore these kids in the burning building. But what he really wants to be is, is a Clark Kent, a normal guy. But on the other hand, Bruce Wayne, I think, wants to really be Batman. What he really wants to be is to be in that suit and out bashing heads together and, and being a vigilante. And I've got a scene in Enemies and Allies where he's, he's like down in the bat cave. He's trying to solve something, and, and he's got part of his bat suit on, and he's working on things. But he has to go to a charity fundraiser and dress up in a tux and be Bruce Wayne. And Alfred comes down to get him, and, and Bruce Wayne thinks, okay, now it's time to put on my mask. Because the Bruce Wayne part is the fake part, but Batman is who he really is. And so, you know, this is the only... I could only talk about this stuff on a fanboy podcast. I can't, <laughs> you can't do this at like a normal newspaper interview right? because they just glaze over. So um, this is cool. Thanks for Real Dirts. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because I always... I'm not the biggest Superman fan. And I think it's because he's been around so long and I think he's so difficult to write for. And I think it's a fascinating process when writers can get it right. Because... Mm-hmm. And that, that leads to my next question. So you're writing for DC, and do they have specific things they won't let you do with Superman or Batman? Or do they let you kind of write your story and then look at it and say, well, he can't do this and he can't do that? Well, I'll be, I'll be clear. The books that I wrote were, were 
I don't remember, the, like eight years ago or so, mm-hmm. and they've kind of canceled their book line, so I'm not working on the novels anymore. Yeah. But when I did write them, they they were very good about, these are novels, they're kind of off in their own universe. That That's one thing that comics does right. There's a million different fragmented <laughs> yeah, <right>? universes. <laughs> so this one belongs in this universe. And so they... Um, they really left me alone, and one of the, the cool things was that the, the vice president of DC Comics is a huge fan of my Dune novels, so he read all the Dune novels, and when I pitched him a, a book called The Last Days of Krypton, which is, which is a big science fiction story, that's the, it's the story of Jor-El and, and General Zod and Brainiac and, and all the stuff that happened on Krypton before it blew up. Um, and Krypton blew up. That's a spoiler. I should have yes. warned everybody. That's, and, a, that's an 80-year-old yeah, spoiler. And, and a baby gets away at the end. Sorry. <laughs> um, they kind of let me do whatever I wanted because this was a novel on my own and I had street cred for science fiction, so they let me go. That's cool. So I'll now turn it to the other franchises. So Star Wars has such an expanded universe, and with that, is it more free reign where you can create characters? Or, again, did they want to rein you in a little bit on what well, you do? Well, again, my, I was one of the first people with Timothy Zahn to write the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. So when we started writing, it was long before episode one years after return of the jedi so it was pretty much a wasteland there was nothing going on in star wars so we were given a lot of freedom to write and create all kinds of stuff which now the other hundred and some authors have (laughs) built upon and now with uh, episode seven coming out uh lucasfilm and disney have sort of rebooted all that so they've they've set all of those old books that i wrote that that tim wrote that they're off in their own universe called the legends universe that they they don't have to follow when they do the movies. They're, they're, they're not necessarily throwing it all away, but they're basically, we'll take from it if we want to, but it's not all canon anymore because we're going to make new movies and I don't want to have to follow what 200 other books said before <laughs> I start my first movie. Um, I, I can't disagree with that. I would rather, of course, they made movies out of my books. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I can picture like J.J. Abrams sitting down, you get to write episode seven, but you have to make... Uh, take into account all 200 other books. <laughs> some are great, some maybe not so great. Who knows what, what he thinks of them. Uh, no, he wants to write with his own freedom on it. And I mean, look, he, he blew up Vulcan and rebooted Star Trek, yes. so let's see what we do with Episode Seven. <laughs> That's one of those ones when you uh, see that the, uh, trailer with an audience that they just go crazy about, and it's such a cool... It'd be so cool to be a part of that. Um, do you still get that if uh, someone knows you write Star Wars and they come up to you and have that same passion of your books? Oh, I get, I mean, sometimes it's kind of kind of heartwarming where I see it. In fact, it was, it was at the previous Comic-Con that I went to down in Anaheim called WonderCon that this guy, like a 30-year-old guy, came up to me with this battered old copy of my novel Jedi Search. And he had his 10-year-old son with him. And he, and he comes up to me and says, Mr. Anderson, I, I need you to sign my book because my dad gave me this book when I was 10 years old to get me to read and now I need you to sign this book for my son so I can give it to him to get him to read and you know it doesn't get any better than that that's, uh, that's, that's a really great cool. story I mean that's got to be heartwarming as an author um, so so Dune is kind of a goofy thing if if you don't understand it um, well, how, well don't read book 13 without reading the rest of them <laughs> yeah. so how do you wrap your head around a world like that where it's a little more I don't know the right word to say well, Dune, Dune was my favorite science fiction novel really? of all time, long before I saw Star Wars, long before anything, and I just was 
I found it very immersive and, and inspirational. I thought this was the best you could do in science fiction. The world building, the desert planet, the, the ecology, the politics, the religion, the economy, everything set up together. And I just, I just loved it. And by um, working with Frank Herbert's son, based on a whole bunch of Frank Herbert's notes, we just, we, we picked up that, uh, that universe. And I think we're on book 14 now that we're wow. working on. And we just expanded it. It's like the Star Wars universe, only a lot more. Um, there's more, there's more politics and economics and, and ecology. There, there's. Uh, there's a lot more questions that you can ask with it, and it, it just is really immersive to me. You can get into it, and I just, um, I love telling those stories, and Brian Herbert and I are great friends, and we love working together. Very cool. So do you use those to help f- uh, fuel your original works? Um, I don't know, how, like, you you write those as, like, your, so people recognize it's it. It's like and then, my day job. Yeah, and then they, then they recognize your name, and they're able to pick up your other stuff as well. Is, well, does that it, help? It is certainly because of the I've got millions of Star Wars books and millions of Dune books and, and X-Files books and everything so if that's all they want to read then great but a lot of those readers like the, the Star Wars books or the Dune books and so they'll notice my name and they'll pick up something else and then they'll pick up something else so there's a lot of um, like a halo effect that, that people will notice my works above maybe some other author that they haven't heard of um, I've got a, a book I, I mentioned earlier, Clockwork Lives, and a previous day I did Clockwork Angels with the drummer from Rush. He's been a fan of mine because my first book was dedicated to one of their albums. And so we've known each other for 25 years and working with him to develop a universe that they go on to write songs about that's on their latest album, that's really cool for me. And um, I, what can I say? I'm a fanboy and this is the best job in the world. How surreal is that, though? You dedicate a book to Rush and their album, and then he's like, you know, we should work together. Well, it took about 25 years <laughs> yeah, to go but, around to that. But, but no, we did a short story together, and he's been um, a good friend. And, you know, his stuff inspired me so much that it's that it's cool to come full circle. And, you know, right now I, I commute to work in the Star Wars universe or the Dune universe or, the, or this clockwork universe I've created with Rush or writing Batman and Superman. And, you know, if, if I could go back in time and tell my... my 12-year-old nerd boy fan, <laughs> guess what you're going to get to do when you grow up? I, I, I don't think I'd believe it. That's, that's just an amazing story. So when, uh, so who's your favorite character then to write for? Do you have a favorite character that oh, you... Oh, come on. It's like, like, hello, who's your favorite kid? And throw them that's, all it's out. It's the first one, always. Uh, you know, it's the, the one I'm working on right now is probably the favorite <laughs> one because that's the one that I'm, I'm living with, spending all my time with. I mean, I'm... Uh, this book called Eternity's Mind. That's the third book after uh, after The Dark Between the Stars. So there's, I think I've got 34 point of view characters in that 130 chapters, and they're all, it's like Game of Thrones with planets. Well, except and I'm finishing mine. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I'm spending a lot of time with those characters, and it's a different character for each chapter, so I'm basically able to go slumming through the entire universe and... and spend time with, with good guys and bad guys and, and uh, competent people and screw-ups. and it, It's just it's a slice of life in a whole galaxy. And I just, right now, that's what I'm in the middle of doing. Is it more fun to write bad guys or good guys? Oh, absolutely, the bad guys. Is it because you can go to a place you don't have to worry about and it's just a character? <laughs> well, the bad guys usually try to accomplish something. They, like, they want to take over the world. They want to they wipe out this or they want to change something. And the good guy is usually reactive. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the bad guy's there. I better fight him. Uh, no, that doesn't mean good guys can't be interesting. But just 
really the bad guy usually has some interesting scheme that you can get your heads or head around and um, and I've got one other character that I, I really am fond of. I have a have a great time with him where he's Dan Shamble's zombie PI. He's a, he's back from the dead and back on the case, so he <laughs> solves crimes with with vampires and ghosts and mummies and werewolves. And um, in fact, I got a short story collection now called Working Stiff with with all of his cases in it. And one of the cases is set at a big pop culture cosplay con where a 501st stormtrooper is found dead with a stake driven through his heart, and the only wit- witness is a Klingon. <laughs> so uh, we've got that whole thing that brings in all of my con experience that I've, I mean, I've been going to con since I was 11 years old. <laughs> so, you know, I just draw from my real life, and I draw from my imagination, and uh, again, I'm, I watch this stuff, I read this stuff, I read comics, I, I, I go to the movies, and this is... That's all research, of course, for my job. Yeah. So how do we get your job then? <laughs> you have to be a well, great writer, obviously. Well, you start out when you're 11 years old. Gotcha. You never stop working. Gotcha. It's kind of like saying, gee, how do you get to be an Olympic ice skater? Well, <laughs> if you're 45 and overweight and you never put on ice skates, it probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And is, so uh, do you have a degree in English or writing? or do you? Oh, just... my, my degree is in physics and Russian history. Is so. it really? So what made you an ideal candidate to be a science fiction writer just because it's just you love it so much and well i love it i got interests all over the place i read history i read fantasy i read politics i read novels and i've got a science background and you know if you're if you want to be a writer and you go to school to get a writing degree it's sort of like you want to be a chef and you buy a lot of cookbooks but no (laughs) ingredients uh you know i think if you got to write about stuff you need to understand the way the universe works, whether it's science or history or psychology or sociology or politics or economics, and you've got to know all that stuff. You can't just know how to write a cool sentence but not have anything to write about. And so I've spent a lot of time, I mean, I've been to six of the seven continents. I've been in a hot air balloon. I've been on aircraft carriers. I've been, you just, you try to experience all kinds of things that you can then bring to your, your work. That's like my favorite answer anyone's ever given me. I love that answer. Cool. Um, Copy, can, copyright, Kevin J. Anderson. Yes, copyright. Um, where can we find you online and order books from you directly? Okay. Well, I mean, obviously there's the Amazon answer, but yes. book, bookstores, <laughs> you can go to any bookstore. I, I, you, if you go to a bookstore that doesn't have any of my books, because I've published 127 of them, <laughs> then you need to find a better bookstore. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I've got my, uh, my press is wordfirepress.com, so all that together. Uh, we've got a bunch of them. A lot of my backlist is there. A lot of my other titles are there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's it's my it's the word the and then my initials KJA at the KJA. Uh, find me on Facebook. Just search under my name. I've got like three different pages. You'll find one. Um, and I could keep going, but to, again, I'm all over the the social media. All over. With, I got a blog and I've got web pages and stuff. And find me and and don't waste your time online reading Facebook. Read my books instead. Yeah. Get out and read, people. Yes. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. That's fascinating. Hey. And you have my favorite answer so far this cool. con. I appreciate I'll it. I'll try to remember it for somebody else. Then. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Real Nerds interview at Denver Comic-Con 2015. And we'll see you next year. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. 
This has been a Nebulous Visions production.